the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Five six nine. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ 
can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is a shelter from the coming storm while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Do you believe that God is real? Don't answer that question too quickly. I believe that sharks swim in the water off the coast of Florida. I believe that elephants trample through the preserves in Africa and in India. I believe there are flamingos in many places in the world. But I have no interaction with them. I don't wake up in the morning and fear an alligator. I don't wake up in the morning and fear a python. They have no correspondence to my life. In the world in which I live, there are no lions. There are no tigers. There are no sharks. I have no correspondence. Oh, I believe they exist. Do you believe God exists? Do you believe that Jesus is real? If you answer that question, oh yes, of course I do, Pastor. Do you have any correspondence with Jesus or with God? Is there a real connection between the way you live and who he is? In John, the gospel, this disciple, this apostle, brings to us the inside understanding of walking with Jesus. And he makes a statement in the second chapter, verse 24. 
but Jesus himself was not trusting himself to them because he knew all men and that he was having no need that anyone may bear witness concerning man for he himself knew what was in a man. So evidently Jesus withholds himself from people who believe that he is real but they have no correspondence with him because he knows what's in their hearts. I remember coming to a point in my life where I began to question, is, is God real? Why was I questioning, is God real? because I could find no correspondence between my life and God. I basically did my job as a pastor. I cared for people. But I had no inner correspondence with God. He wasn't talking to me. I would pray and my prayers were not answered. And I became deeply concerned and said, there is something desperately wrong in my life because I don't seem to have that correspondence between my life and God's life. I don't hear him talk to me. I don't see his hand moving on my behalf. Everything seems to be happening because of what I do. Jesus was not trusting himself with me because he knew of the pride and anger and unrighteousness that dwelt in my heart. And then in the, in the Gospel of John, we come to this story of Nicodemus. And I have attempted on a number of occasions to, to talk about what happened with Nicodemus. But I have to keep coming back to it because the Lord keeps taking me deeper in my understanding of Nicodemus. This is such a, a pivotal point for every human heart. There was a man from among the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that God has, that has come from God, for no one is able to do the things you are doing unless God may be with him. So he had no personal correspondence with God. I want you to understand that. He had no he had no personal correspondence with God. He saw what Jesus was doing. He knew that a normal man could not heal the sick or raise the dead. But there was nothing there personally. But there was a longing in his heart to know this Jesus, to find out who he is, what's going on here. 
Jesus cuts right to the heart of the issue. You are a teacher that has come from God, says Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless anyone may be born from above, he is not able to experience the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying this very painful thing. You can believe, you can say, oh yes, God is real. You can say, Jesus is his son. And have no correspondence with either one. You can be very religious. You can go to church regularly. But God doesn't talk to you. Many of you have said to me, I have never heard the voice of God. God does not speak with me. Why? Because he knows what's in your heart. And he has no correspondence with you. And so you can try to work out some kind of emotional deal. You can try to work out some kind of ritualized religion. But you have no personal correspondence with God. Because bottom line, you don't believe he is there. You have no faith to walk in a relationship with him. I want to read for you. Skip over just a moment. Uh, let me see if I can find it for you. No, I'll get to it. Be patient with me. So Nicodemus speaks back in verse 4. How is a man able to be born being old? So Jesus is saying you must be born again from above. Nicodemus is saying, I don't understand. How is this possible? What are you, what are you talking about, Jesus? Nicodemus wants to know, Jesus, are you like the rest of us? Well, no, he's not like the rest of us. He's God. He's God who has come down to tell us that we must be born from above. We must leave this life. There must be a correspondence between us and God. Nicodemus says to him, how is a man able to be born being old? He's not able to enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born, is he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless anyone may be born out of water and the Spirit, he is not able to enter into the kingdom of God. The things having been born out of the flesh, is flesh. The thing having been born out of the spirit is spirit. You shouldn't marvel at this. 
It's necessary for you to be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear its sound, but you don't understand from where it comes and where it goes. So it is with everyone having been born out of the Spirit. In other words, they're operating in a very different level, a different place. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? How is this possible? I don't understand. Do you believe Jesus is real? If you answer the question yes, is there any correspondence between you and Jesus? Does he speak to you? Does he fill you with his presence? Do you obey him? Back here in the Gospel of Mark, there's an amazing statement that will help us understand this word today. In verse 22 of chapter 11, Jesus, having answered, says to them, You must have faith from God. Now truly I say to you that Whoever may say to this mountain, you be lifted up and be thrown into the sea and may not waver in his heart, but may believe that what he says will happen. Whatever he may say will be done for him. For this reason, I say to you, everyone or everything you may ask praying, you must believe that you receive and it will be done for you. Now, please hear what he's saying. This promise in Mark 11 is not for a man or a woman who has no correspondence with God. This is for a person who has been born from above, who walks in the Spirit. The opening of this statement is you must have faith from God. In other words, it's God's faith, not something that you conjure up in yourself. And we have the ability in the human flesh to conjure up what we call faith. I believe this is going to happen. I know this is going to happen. And here's the evidence that I base my understanding on. That's not God's faith. God's faith is when we've been born from above and we understand what God's will is in this situation. And God gives to us the faith to stand on his word, on his promise. And then God's faith brings it to pass not my faith. It is God's faith that is active and moving based on a word from God. Look at the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Now, I want to come back to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless anyone may be born out of water and the Spirit, 
he is not able to enter into the kingdom of God. Do you remember in the story that I've shared with you earlier about the wine being changed, the water changed to wine? It's the water of cleansing, and the wine is the blood of Jesus Christ. He was not making alcohol. He was speaking to them about what he was going to do on the earth. And now he's saying to Nicodemus, born out of water and the spirit, the water that is changed to blood. It is the water of cleansing. It is the blood of cleansing. It is the Holy Spirit coming and moving in us. Now I'll tell you, very honestly, where I struggle with this. My correspondence is with the world that I live in. I know how to function in this world. I know how to drive my car. I know how to get repairs taken care of in the house. I know how to do the basic things I need to do here. I know how to operate the equipment so that I can come live and talk with you on the radio and I can talk with you on the internet and YouTube. I know how to be in correspondence with my world. The problem comes in being in correspondence with God. I know that I must breathe I know that that brings oxygen into my body. I know it goes to my blood. I know the life is in the blood. Oh, I can explain a lot of different things in the physical realm. The problem is, do I have correspondence with God? Do I hear God speak? Do I walk with him? Do I do as we sang this past Sunday, come to the garden alone? Do I spend time with him? Is he my reality? Now, if we look further in this whole question in John, the third chapter, we have this famous passage of scripture for God so loved the world that he gave the only one of his kind that is the only begotten of God in the King James but the word only begotten in the Greek means the only one like this it doesn't mean God was giving birth to a son that had not been pre-existent the first chapter of John tells us that Jesus had existed from eternity and that he was God himself. But he is the only one of his kind that has entered into the earth. That everyone continuing to believe in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. For God sent not his son into the world that he may judge the world, but that the world may be saved through him. Remember, John the Baptist said he will save his people from their sins. But it 
if it's going to be a reality that I'm saved from my sins, there must be a very direct connection between my life and the life of Jesus. There must be a correspondence between our lives. Now that brings me to a passage I want to spend a fair amount of time on. Verse 19. Now this is the judgment that light has come into the world and the men loved the darkness rather than the light for their works were evil. For everyone practicing evil things hates the light and does not come to the light that his works may not be exposed. But the one doing the truth comes to the light that his works may be made known that they have been motivated by God, empowered by God. Now John the Baptist comes. And John the Baptist is that wonderful, powerful prophet of God who came to prepare the way for Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. And he did his prophetic work that finally cost him his life. Now, more people began to go to Jesus and his disciples. His disciples were baptizing. And some of John's disciples come to him and say, all men are going to him. John answered, he said, a man is not able to receive anything unless it may have been given to him out of heaven. You yourselves are witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I've been sent before that one. The one having the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, the one having stood and hearing him, he rejoices with joy because of the voice of the bridegroom. So this, my joy has been fulfilled. It is necessary for that one to become more important, but for me to become less important. He knew Jesus was real. He knew he was the Son of God. He didn't want to baptize him. He said, I need to be baptized of you. But Jesus said, no, to fulfill all things, baptize me. And so John obeyed. A man is not able to receive anything unless it may have been given to him out of heaven. Now, the, the reality is that almost everything that you have received has come out of your own hard work because you have no correspondence with God to give you anything. Now, what will happen 
is when you begin to develop that correspondence with God through prayer, through honest confession, through repentance. As you begin to turn to Jesus and he begins to be real to you because you're spending time with him, you've turned off the television. You've turned aside from the entertainment of our day. You're seeking Jesus' face. Slowly, there will begin to develop between you and Jesus a correspondence. And as that happens, the first sign that that's beginning to happen is that you find Jesus blessing you in your work. A brother is so excited, he comes on Sunday and he reports how Jesus has made him week after week now number one in his work, in his sales. Well, why is he doing that? Because he's honestly searching for Jesus. He's reading his word every day. He's learning the difference between what the devil tells him to do, to go walk in some gross sin, or to walk humbly with God. And as he does that, God begins to bless that man. Now, he will bless him for some time. He will pour out blessings for some time. And then Jesus will begin to pull back. Why? Because he wants to know if this man is following him for the fishes and the loaves, or whether he's approaching a place in his life where he will lock in a connection between himself and Jesus. Now, I want to share with you this passage where we'll spend a few minutes. In John, the third chapter, For he whom God sent speaks the word from God. For God gives not the spirit by measure. The father loves the son and has put all conceivable things in his hand. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe that every reality is found in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that your job is secured for you by Jesus Christ? Do you believe that your family is established only in Jesus Christ? In the book of Ephesians, we find in the first chapter that every blessing of heaven has been poured out for men. But most men will not experience those blessings because they have refused to come into that correspondence with God. Now, verse 36, this is very sobering. The one believing in the Son has eternal life. But the one, and your Bible may say, the one rejecting or the one not believing the Son will not see life. That's not an accurate translation. The actual translation, that is word for word, 
the one believing in the Son, has eternal life. But the one disobeying the Son will not see life. So believing in the Son and obeying the Son are considered by the writer of this gospel to be the same thing. There is no sinning Christian here. The one believing in the Son. Now you see why I questioned you at the beginning of this broadcast. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? If you answer that question, yes, then I have to ask you, do you have a correspondence with Jesus Christ that results in your constantly obeying Jesus in every respect? Or do you say, I believe in Jesus, and then you go about your life? And bottom line, your life flows out of your own desires, your own will, You go where you want to go. You spend the money you want to spend. You treat people the way you want to treat them. You have no correspondence with the person, Jesus Christ. You are simply a religious person. Nicodemus was a very religious man, but he had no correspondence with God. He had no correspondence with Jesus. And all Jesus could say to him was, you're going to have to be born from above so that you understand the realm of the Spirit. For flesh cannot enter the kingdom of God. Only the Spirit can enter the kingdom of God. The one believing in the Son has eternal life. But the one disobeying the Son, will not see life. But the wrath of God continues to remain upon him. Now, hear me, please. This is a terrifying message. I'm I'm not emotionalizing it. I'm just giving it straight as the Gospel of John gives it. And as 1 John gives it. You can say, I believe in Jesus Christ. You can be a very religious believer in Jesus Christ, but have no correspondence with Jesus. He won't answer your prayers. Maybe by chance he might, but usually not. And so you've basically given up on private prayer. Most churches in America hold no prayer meeting. When they meet together, what happens? Immediately, the music starts playing. You're welcomed. Announcements are made. A scripture lesson is given. The preacher stands up and tells some jokes, gets everyone's attention. He tells the stories he needs to tell. He gives his little lesson that he wants to give in 15 to 20 minutes he's finished. And you're on your way home. No correspondence with God in that service. 
very religious. Oh, you might even have communion. And and the the pastor or the priest may stand up front and he may raise the bread in his hands and he may break it and he may say some very beautiful words about the bread being broken. It's the body of Christ being broken for us. No correspondence with God in your heart. In fact, he's probably also without any correspondence with God. One church, I went to visit the senior pastor. When I got to the office, she said, I'm sorry, I don't know where the pastor is. He should be here. He must have forgotten your appointment. I said, okay, well, I'll walk around the church a little bit. So I walked out and just walked out in the sanctuary and sat down. It was quiet, peaceful. A janitor came in. I immediately went to him and I said, do you know where the pastor is? And I called him by name. He looked at me. He said, yes, I know, but I'm not supposed to tell you. Why? Well, he doesn't want anyone to know he's there. Well, where is he? (laughs) He finally told me, go up on the third floor and go out on the balcony. So I took the elevator up to the third floor, went out on the balcony, and there I found the pastor and his associate pastor smoking stogies, big cigars, and telling jokes. I was astonished. This man had no correspondence with God. He was an entertainer. He was a people person. But when his sermon went off, it was like a a cannon blowing out a pea. There was no power in it. I want you please to hear me today. Is the wrath of God on your life? If you have no correspondence with God, the wrath of God is on your life. Now, you can push away the concept or the feeling or the emotion of God being angry with you. But the truth is, you don't know Jesus. Very religious. You know all the theology. You can argue the theology until the cows come home. but you're under the wrath of God because you are disobeying the Son. You are not believing in the Son as demonstrated by how you act, what you do, what you say. You may have an imaginary Jesus that you have a very sentimental relationship with. 
but it's not a saving relationship. If you want to begin to have correspondence with God, if anyone comes to me and does not have single minded loyalty to me over his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, and yet even his own life. He is not able to be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me is not able to be my disciple. Now who from among you, desiring to build a tower, does not first, after having sat down, count the cost, if he has the things for completion, lest after having laid his foundation, not being able to finish, all the ones observing might begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to engage in war with another king, does not first, after having sat down, consider if he is able with 10,000 to meet the one coming against him with 20,000? But if not, being as yet far away, send an emissary and ask for the terms of peace. So then each one from among you who does not say farewell to all of his own possessions is not able to be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt may lose its saltiness, if it may become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor for the garbage heap. They throw it out. The one having ears, he must hear. This is such a serious issue. I know that many of you listening to this broadcast today would quickly affirm and say, I believe in Jesus. But what level of correspondence do you have with Jesus? Is your relationship with Jesus real? Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 16, verse 24, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Please, what have you denied yourself of in this world to follow Jesus Christ? I can give you some examples of what I've denied myself of. I threw the television out. I have denied myself 
the action movies that men love, that I loved. I have denied myself the place I would like to live. And I am now living in a place I have no desire to live in except to be a servant of Jesus Christ. I have denied myself friends who have been disloyal and filled with pride. I have not gone after money. I have denied myself a great deal of money. But more than all of that, I've denied my right to be in charge of my life. I have denied myself the right to put my family first. I've denied myself putting my wife first. Jesus is first. He is first in where I go, in what I say, and what I do. And when I pray, he answers my prayer. Oh, just a quick, quick reference. You know that every month I invite you to share the gifts that God would call you to give to cover the cost of this radio broadcast. And we're now the first broadcast day of a new month. Last month is covered by God's grace. And we have already begun to see offerings coming in for this month. I absolutely trust that Jesus will cover this month. Why? Because I have a correspondence with Jesus. I have an arrangement with the spirit of the living God that I will wait upon him. I will enter his rest. I will do as he tells me to do. I will go where he tells me to go. I will spend what he tells me to spend. I will drive the car he tells me to drive. Do you have practical correspondence with God, or are you creating your own life? Have you denied yourself and taken up your cross, and are you following Jesus? I don't mean are you religious. I don't like religion. In fact, I hate it. My walk with Jesus is not a religious walk. It's a reality walk of day to day, being in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what my heart hungers after. For whoever may will to save his life will lose it, but whoever may lose his life for my sake will find it. What do you think of a person who says, I don't want to leave here, I don't want to move there? I know God is calling me to, but I don't want to do that. I'm comfortable here. I like where I live. Oh, I'm not going to do that with my money. 
I'm not going to spend my money that way. That money's here to take care of me. I must depend on my own ability to take care of me. I can't trust God to take care of me. You have no correspondence with God. You believe in God. You say you believe in God. But you haven't laid your life down for him. You don't obey him. You still have the entertainment you love. You still have the wine you love. You still have the things that make you happy. Because Jesus isn't enough for you. Listen. What does a man profit if he may gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What are you giving in exchange for your soul for eternity? Are you giving up your rights and taking up your cross and following Jesus? What are you giving in exchange for your soul? Matthew seventeen twenty seven, Matthew sixteen twenty seven, for the Son of Man is destined to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his activity. And so how is it? Please be totally honest with yourself. Are you going to the place to worship that God has called you? Is it a holy place? Do you go anywhere? Do you spend your time and money the way he's asked you to spend it? You say you believe in God, but do you have correspondence with God? Is the very heart and soul and center of your life the man, Jesus Christ? Do you think of him constantly throughout the day? Or do hours pass and you have not given him a second thought? When you make plans about where you're going to go and what you're going to do, is that in the context of, will this bring glory to Jesus? Is this his direction to me? Oh, pastor, God doesn't care where I go. One man said this to me. God doesn't care where I go or what I spend my money on. All he wants me to do is believe in him and accept him as my savior. It doesn't matter who I marry. It doesn't matter what I buy. A man who says that has no correspondence with Jesus. And he's in disobedience to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet he will say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. You just don't have any correspondence with him. Did you hear what this passage of Scripture 
actually said? Let me read it for you again. I'm turning back to it quickly. Here it is. The one believing in the Son has eternal life, but the one disobeying the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God continues to remain upon him. The wrath of God is upon the Christian church in America. Why? Because the Christian church has no correspondence with Jesus. It's about religion. It's about entertainment. It's about a business. It's about money. It's about popularity. It's about who can raise up the the greatest bush pile and make it look the prettiest. I don't want the wrath of God to be on your life. And so I'm asking you to begin searching the scriptures to find out how you can enter into a correspondence with Jesus Christ that he would become everything for you. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I love you. I pray for you. I'm concerned about many of you. I'm concerned for you. God bless you, brother, sister. I'll talk to you soon. First, we do. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.